and welcome to the Remember the Girls podcast. I'm Emma Bliss, president of Remember the Girls and a carrier of X-linked myotubular myopathy, or MTM, a rare neuromuscular disorder. Remember the Girls is a nonprofit organization founded in 2017 with a mission to support and advocate for female carriers of X-linked genetic disorders. Our sole purpose is to provide collaboration, education, and growth to our community and spread awareness of X-linked women patients and their symptoms to the world of medicine and genetics. We do this by sharing our own personal journeys with you, along with many other brave women. Jillian Spencer has been an ultrasound tech for the past seven years. She is a fur mom, a wife of four years, and a mom to a one and a half year old boy, Jensen. Jillian has said that her profession, it gave her a false sense of security that, that her son was developing normally. However, two days after birth and the roller coaster journey of appointments, anticipation and anxiety began. From the beginning with finding out that their son had bilateral detached retinas to recently finding out that he is at an increased risk for seizures, their lives have not been the same. Nori disease changed everything for them, but amongst it all, Jillian is grateful that this diagnosis has brought in her world and pushed her outside of her comfort zone. It allowed her to start a YouTube channel, it has given her the space to talk and meet with people around the world and introduced her to her mutant sister at heart, Eve, all because of one little boy who had much bigger plans for her than the stereotypical normal way of life. I love this. Thank you, Jillian. Welcome and hello. I'm grateful for, that you're here with us today. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, I'm going to open the space up now if you want to share your journey with us all. Yeah, of course. So um, like in the introduction, I am an ultrasound tech, so I had the privilege of looking at my son via in utero um, anytime I wanted. And with that, I just had this false sense of security that, you know, I'm seeing everything I need to see. He looks good. He looks healthy. Um, but of course, with his disease, you can't really track that his, um, he has developing retinal detachment. So, um, and all of this was going on during the pandemic and the pandemic was fresh. So there's so many unknowns. So when we did finally get to have our son. Um, you know, we had um, one day that was quote unquote normal with him at the hospital. And then it's like the next day, that's when the whole thing kind of came unraveling that our pediatrician noticed, he called it the red reflex and his eye wasn't coming back. Um, so he's like, okay, you know, let's just get a second opinion. We got the second opinion, the second opinion agreed. And she also heard a heart murmur, which led into looking at his heart they found holes in his heart. They saw something wasn't right with his eye. And then that went into the next day getting released to an eye doctor who also said bilateral detached hemorrhages. And I'm like, okay, and I know some medical terminology. I was like, this doesn't sound great. Um, and then from there, it was a Iowa, um, a uh, children's hospital. And that's when they gave us the diagnosis of, they wouldn't say blind, because of course you can't necessarily say in a you know, a three day old, but um, obviously it didn't sound great. So we were left with those, that news and all again during the pandemic when my husband was in the hospital and I was sitting in the car listening on the car phone. So um, just a lot to take in. And from there it was, you know, a lot. I'm not gonna get into all of it, but you know, we went to um, two, three hours away to have surgery on his eyes 
which we went back and forth, back and forth multiple times and lots of anesthesia only to have nothing work, which, you know, <laughs> that's fine. We're glad we tried. We're glad we stopped when we stopped. They did give us options to look into more um, anesthesia and surgeries, but uh, at that point, it just didn't seem realistic. And it was putting so much of a toll on his little five pound body. <laughs> so I'm glad we did what we did. I'm glad we tried. Um, and it's just like, I would say the first year of his life, every appointment we walked into, we came back with more news of, I don't want to say negative because I try to be a positive person, but it was something else added to our plate. And um, that's just kind of how I trained my mind to think anymore. It's just, you just prepare for the worst because it seemed to be happening constantly. Um, but for over the summer time, we didn't have any appointments and it was wonderful. And <laughs> we just enjoyed Jensen as he was. And then of course the fall hit and we had all these appointments that were coming up and um, it was just op eye-opening like how everything kind of came back to unraveling because here we knew he had tremors, um, but all of a sudden it was like, oh, he needs to get in now. Um, we think he's having seizures, which luckily we found out he was not experiencing seizures. He was just having normal tremors. However, they did find that he is at increased risk for some seizures. So now that's in the back of our mind, like, okay, we got to look for him. We got to watch for him to see if he is having seizures. Um, so that's just another part of the disease that's always been in the back of my mind but um, just more at the forefront now. Um, and lastly, I would like to just say too, that it's, it's so hard, you know, when we got this diagnosis, after nine months of picturing our lives one way, you come and think, okay, okay, he's blind. So, you know, you just start thinking of all the things that we can do and modify for him, but specifically with this disease and the broad range of symptoms that come along with it, you know, like, okay, he can, he can still walk. He can still, um, you know, maybe do some form of soccer. Cause my husband and I are big into soccer, but then you start to kind of regress and think, okay, part of this disease, sometimes their muscle tone isn't great. So he might not be able to walk or, you know, he might not be able to do all these things. And it's just this back and forth of, you know, trying to find the positive lining, the silver lining, and, um, then also being realistic. So that's just been the biggest struggle. Um, but you know, I wouldn't be able to do it without so much love and support from family, friends. And again, with the YouTube, I mean, I, it wasn't even a weekend with Jensen when I knew that I did not want anyone else to feel this way. I, it was, it's just the most secluding feeling ever, um, getting something like that, getting that diagnosis and feeling so alone, especially when there isn't so much information about it. Um, so I knew that I had to do something and it's been so rewarding to be able to talk to people around the world and just have them reach out, sp spread their love support, um, and write back at them too. So, yeah, I'm yeah, so excited to be here. That's actually how I, we connected is your YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> it's called life with Nori disease. If anybody, you should absolutely check it out. It's so educational. Um, you can just type in your name, Jillian Spencer. That's how I found it. Um, Question though, did you do genetic testing on Jensen? Uh, did you do yes. it in prenatal care or after? How did you get the formal diagnosis? 
Yes. So um, we chose not to do any screenings at that like 12 week mark or, you know, um, at the end of the first trimester. However, even if we did, it would not have been caught. But we did not get into genetic testing until Jensen was about two, three months old. And then it took a lot longer than they expected to get results back. So about two months to get those results back. And then I got tested, which then took another month or so. Okay. Um, and that's what determined you were the carrier of correct. Okay. And, um, so you said that they wouldn't have found the answer if they did prenatal genetic testing. Are you talking about like standard testing? Correct. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. Just the standard, um, you know, trisomies, um, just the different ones like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they'd have to like go in and look for it in order to find it. Yes. If they knew you didn't didn't know you were a carrier. No. Okay. No history. Nope. Nope. Yeah, uh, it's, it blows my mind. A lot of X-linked carriers. That's how it is. Uh, we don't we don't know until we have a child yeah. um, with the condition. Um, so you you mentioned that the blindness is what really what categorizes Nori disease, but you also said heart issues um, and the tremors. And isn't there a hearing component as well, or am I mistaken? Yes. Um, so hearing is probably, I would say this most, like the second most underlying issue. Um, there's typically hearing loss. I mean, in adolescence or, you know, teenage years. Um, and again, it's such a broad range. Some people are fine for quite a while. And I, you know, I've talked to people that their children lose their hearing at three years old, you know? So, um, the part that's scary is that a lot of people get the cochlear implants, which are, is great. You know, it helps them, but, um, there have been some cases that I've heard of, of, you know, their implants aren't even working. And it's when you come to that realization that you're not even the safe zone for that, that it's very um, scary. Yeah. Yeah. Is there it? So at this time, the only, there's no cure. It's just treating the actual symptoms is what you, you manage. Yeah. Um, There has been a very, very recent um, documentary. I don't even know um, study, I should say, that um, they're finding maybe ways to regress or um, stop the hearing loss um, when it comes to the NDP gene that is causing for Nori disease. So that's exciting. That is exciting. Is that gene therapy or is that more of, um, what is that? Do you know any more thing more about that? I don't know that much about it. I just know it has to do with the protein and like the cochlear hairs that have to do with hearing. That's That's so fascinating. That's all I know. Yeah, it's so cool that they, I mean, are interested in looking into specifically that gene mutation and trying to find a cure for the hearing loss. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Um, Okay, so I have a couple questions for you as a carrier. Um, First is in just a few simple words, what does being a carrier of Nori disease mean to you? Um, And do you yourself have any symptoms of being a carrier? Yeah. So, um, you know, I tried to put this into three different categories. Um, one being kind of a burden. Um, you know, if, if we were to want more children, it's like we would choose to go through fertility. We would not, um, it wouldn't be in our cards to just take a risk and see what happens. So just having to go through the fertility and everything that goes with that um, as well as cost. And then the next category would be kind of guilt, I guess. Um, I am luckily not too hard on myself when it comes to this. Um, I had, I had no choice in this matter. So I don't put too much guilt on myself. However, at the beginning, it was kind of hard to not think, you know, I didn't give my husband his, 
you know, quote unquote, normal first baby, you know, baby boy. And my parents are first time grandparents. And um, I read another mom that's um, article that she said that, you know, she felt like she gave her parents a broken baby. And I think that's so relatable and not to say that Jensen's broken because he is wonderful, but it was just more that guilt on myself. Um, and then lastly, it's unique, you know, um, it started with me. Um, my mom was not a carrier, so it all started with me. So, you know, just trying to take this role and twist on it and, you know, um, not the kind of trend I wanted to start for myself, but, um, you know, nevertheless, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. So um, with all that being said, sometimes I wonder if I do possess some qualities from the disease. Um, you know, poor circulation is part of the disease. My hands are always cold. I mean, I know people all over feel that way maybe, but um, it's hard not to question. And then I have also some ringing in my ears, um, sometimes high pitched, sometimes low pitched. Yeah. And it's not, you know, too much that I've actually looked into it, but it is a question that I've had since finding out that, you know, Jensen had this disease. So I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And I, I find that that's how I am as well with, with what I am a carrier for is I question everything. Everything seems subtle until it's not. And exactly. The community, <laughs> perfect. I mean, yes. Yeah. It, it's like subtle until it's not. And then you're like, well, it's, I'm still a caregiver. So that still comes first. So sometimes that gets our needs as carriers get overshadowed, but I think that's so relatable. And honestly, guilt is one of the most prevalent, uh, reactions as carriers that we, that we see. So yeah. you're not alone there, um, at all. And I, I completely relate to that. Um, I'd love to know, um, what is something you wish more people knew about carriers of Nori disease? Oh, I don't know. This is kind of a tough one for me. Um, yeah. It's such a rare disorder anyway. Uh, do you know the numbers, the prevalence numbers of Nori disease offhand? Uh, it's like 400 to 500 cases worldwide. Yeah. It's so, ultra rare. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, limited information, limited everything, it seems like with it. But I guess it's the whole thing is just an internal battle um, for a person that carries a genetic mutation. Um, for me, it's like being around other babies and um, newborns. It's just a constant reminder of the things I didn't get to experience and don't know if I ever will again. Um, and just being robbed of so much. Um, being a carrier, you just hold so much weight and it's a constant. Mm -hmm. As much as I try to you know, push that aside, you can't, I mean, it's just, it's just always there. Um, so for what I wish more people for curious knew about the disease, um, just, yeah, I guess just that it's a constant weight. I mean, as positive as I try to be, I'm not going to pretend that I don't have breakdowns. Um, you know, it's just a constant weight. It is it's there. Yeah. I, I completely relate to that. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, so the next question has, uh, um, has to do with the research. Uh, we did, you did just mention the gene therapy or the potential gene therapy that might be going on. Um, if there was more research for carriers in the future, is that something that you're interested in? Exploring? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, yes. So, uh, shortly after I got my results back, I thought I was literally had this thought. I was like, you know what? Wow. I wonder if they have any research on the carriers for this disease. And then as soon as that thought came into my mind, 
I pushed it way out because, you know, there's so there's already limited information on the disease itself for the, you know, people that possess the qualities. So it's just like, there's no way anyone's taking the time to look into the women carriers of this disease. So um, as soon as the thought came in, it went out. Um, but that's just it. I just feel like we are swept under the rug because typically speaking, we don't show significant traits for the mutation. Mm -hmm. Um, but what if we do have minor ones and does that not speak, um, like spark enough interest for doctors or anyone to do studies on it? So I would be so open to (laughs) being a subject in that. Um, cause I think it is interesting. I don't, you know, yeah, we don't carry as much of the quality, but you know, what if we do have some minor ones? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole concept behind X and activation in itself is so fascinating. Why some carriers of certain disorders have more symptoms other than, than others is just, it's still a big question. And I think that that needs so much more research. Um, but that is something we should talk about with the eye doctor that we are yes. having for our educational <laughs> webinar coming up. Um, that is something we should have her look into and, and, and push for. So yeah. I'm and, glad you said that. You know, actually, now that you say that too, um, when very early on, um, our eye surgeon did mention before we even had a diagnosis, he was pegging it as nori disease, but he was like, you know, I would love to look at your eyes, AKA my eyes sometime. And I have heard of other moms, which I don't know any more information than what I'm about to say, but like yeah. they, um, they to- were told that the doctors could look at their eyes and could tell. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that is about. I'm very interested. I don't know. We can ask the doctor that question too, because I don't know what they would see in my eyes that could tell them that I am a carrier for Nori disease. We should put that together. We should totally uh, link hands with some eye doctor, maybe your eye surgeon, maybe the one that we're having the educational webinar with and get some carriers together and we should put some research behind that. That would be amazing. That would be cool. Cause I didn't think about that till right now. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's explore that later on. That would be awesome. Um, okay. So what challenges do you think our future will hold as carriers? Um, and what do you hope for the future for Nori disease carriers? Okay, so this is another, another tough one kind of for me, but um, I think a huge challenge as being a carrier um, it's just ignoring other people's opinions when it comes to fertility, um, when it comes to how I raise my child and the emotions that we bear while raising a child with special needs. Um, you know, just this past weekend with trick or treating, we did a trunk or treating. So you just go from, you know, little booth to little booth. And we went with some nieces of ours. Um, and Jensen's obviously really young still. So it's not like, you know, he's going around asking for treats, but Um, We were holding him and just trying to make him part of it. And we got a lot of the comments, the typical comments, um, you know, oh, he's sleepy. And anytime we got that, we're like, oh, he's actually blind. And (laughs) I've never had it where people are just like, don't know what to say. And it was unfortunate because then we just had to move along. You didn't have enough time to talk to people. Um, But, you know, I had to tell some of our family, I'm like, this is our every day. You know, this is what we deal with every day. And this is how we handle it. And sometimes I kind of feel this vibe that people don't like that I announce it every time that, you know, I I say it, but you know what, if it works for me, it it works for me, you know? Um, So I think it's really hard pushing aside other people's opinions um, to start. And then um, for hopes for future carriers, 
it would be wonderful if there was a way that we can like scan our bodies and say, hey, you're a carrier for this mutation. If you choose to go about fertility the normal way or you want specialty um, clinics, you know, but obviously that's very unrealistic. Um, so I don't know. I just hope that doctors become more interested in carrier aspects of genetic diseases. Mm -hmm. um, I hope fertility options are covered more wholesomely by insurances mm -hmm. for people that do choose to um, you know, pursue fertility. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy that insurances don't cover that type of stuff when in reality, they probably save themselves money um, from all the doctor's appointments we go to. So, <laughs> so true. It's yeah. so true. And it's, it's funny you say that because genetic testing, I think is moving in that direction of becoming more standard in pre prenatal care. Yes. Um, I say it all the time. I, I have a seven-year-old when I did zero tests when he was born as standard. And now I have a one-year-old too. And there's just even, you know, that six year chunk of time, the testing has changed. And I think the yes. way that we're moving is that one day, maybe, you know, doing a whole exome sequence of our genes and all of our genes will become standard practice in prenatal care. I know there's a lot of ethics that go along and the, I think the cost is number one, but um, that's my hope too, is that one day it becomes standard to just know yourself on a whole cellular genetic level. Yeah. That would yeah. be so amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that is one, it is ethical, right? Like some people, you have a right not to know as well. Um, but what is standard practice in regards to genetic care is interesting. Yes. Oh gosh. That could open a whole new window of conversation because absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I know, you know when I was pregnant too, they, they were pushing for me to do the genetic testing, which is fine. Um, I actually thought I was going to do that and decided not to. Um, but, uh, just lost my train of thought when it came to this, but, um, I know a lot of my patients that I see anymore, they, they go through the genetic testing, which is, you know, that's cool. Um, but when yeah. it comes to the ethics of things, like you said, when I did talk to a fertility clinic, just to know what my options were, even though we weren't planning on another child anytime soon, um, I didn't think I would struggle with that. And I did struggle with the idea of, you know, you create these embryos and then they test them and yeah, it's just a whole other thing. And I don't think there is any room for people to judge anyone on those matters and to each their own. So yeah, that's Absolutely. a, that's a big one. I, I won't get into it anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> it's so personal, right? Um, so personal. And I think it depends on the disorder and your beliefs. There's so many factors, yes, exactly. to it. but standard, if you're just talking about standard genetic testing, I think it is growing and, uh, oh, yeah. especially for prenatal care. And I think it's amazing. Um, but yeah. it does bring about a lot of other other things. So, right, right. um, okay. So two more questions. Um, yes. if you could go back to before you knew you were a carrier, what would you tell yourself? Oh, that's tough too. Cause, um, there's so many times that I like just randomly find myself in thought and I'm like, wow, I think of a, a situation in the past, like, Whoa, if you knew you were a carrier, what would you do now? Or, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it's hard to say if I knew that I was a carrier, um, I probably would have gone through fertility. Um, you know, uh, however, you know, now that I have Jensen, I can't imagine a different life scenario without him. Um, I absolutely wish I could give him a quote unquote normal life, but at the same time, I sometimes picture, you know, a quote unquote normal life. And 
think how boring it must be. I mean, <laughs> my hair may be falling out from stress, um, you know, with different doctor's appointments, but I have met and talked to so many people around the world because um, even I like to joke that we were mutants. So, you know, because of this quality, I have broadened my horizons in so many ways. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. Um, and I'm not like the most religious person in the world, but I also think that God only gives you as much as you can handle. So I just, I think there was a purpose to all this and that's just how I have to handle the situation. And um, yeah, so what's meant to be is meant to be. And um, I have an amazing son and he's taught me so much. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's such a good perspective. Um, perspective so, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So to end this conversation, I would love for you to give me your one word. When you think of Remember the Girls and the future for women carriers of X-linked disorders, what is the first word that comes to mind? So I chose sisterhood. Oh, I love it. Because I had to write this down because Yes, sisterhood. Sisters come in all different shapes and sizes, even though I don't have a sister, by the way. Um, <laughs> sisters can have completely different personalities, but even so, they have a connection that no one else has. Um, there are many different X-leaked mutations out there, lots of just different sisters, but we are all mutant sisters at heart. So um, sisterhood, yes, I'm just trying to bring everyone together that has that X-linked mutation because I think we can all understand each other in one way or another. Yeah, so. yeah. Thank you so much, Jillian, for being oh, here. You. I really appreciate it. Um, everybody should go check out your YouTube. That's how, yes. I, that's how I connected with you. That's how <laughs> I learned of your journey. Um, you go into such great detail about the disease there too. Um, it's called Life with Nori Disease uh, with Jillian Spencer. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me.